Well, I don't know who, who you met. Perhaps you'd met uh, a visitor here. Uh, perhaps somebody you hadn't met uh, before. But I've just met two ladies from the Ukraine who are just sitting there. Can, can you stand up, ladies? Yeah? Can you, can you both just stand up for a second, yeah? Marina and Ira, please do stand up. Um, Ira and Marina are from Kharkov and from Dnipro. And uh, like you, I've been listening into the news over the last week or so. And I would just want now to pray for these two cities of Ukraine and just for their situation and for Ira and Marina who are with us today. So let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, you have brought Ira and Marina into our congregation today. And we want to say we love you. We want to say we love the people of Ukraine. We want to say we love the people of Kharkov and Dnipro. And for all of what's happening even today in the country of Ukraine. Father, we ask you to bless their families and their friends, whether they be in this country or back in Ukraine. Father, we pray for the church of Jesus Christ in Ukraine. We pray for the persecution. We pray, Father, that you would stop the war so that people may return to their homeland. Father, there is so much need. We pray for their protection. We pray for food, for shelter. We pray for so many people who have come to different parts of Europe. Father, we love Ukraine. You love Ukraine. So our hearts go out to Ira and Marina, their family, their friends, their neighbors. Be with them here in Scotland also. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're a church of, of welcome. We're a church of hospitality. And it's been really great just over the last 12 weeks that this church is so welcoming. We had 250 people in this building uh, a week last Friday and Saturday who were, who were worshiping, who were praying together, who were getting great prophetic teaching from Tommy McNeil and his team, 250 people. And do you know what they said? We thank Trinity Church of the Nazarene because we've gone around to various churches and this church has been one of the best in terms of hospitality and welcome. And I'm so delighted to stand here and say that to you this morning. Well done, everybody. We are a, a welcoming, hospitable church. So thank you for that. As Ian introduced for us last week, we're currently in the book of Acts, and I'd like to share something this morning from Acts 17 and apply this to what we are prayerfully considering doing as a church over the next months in Perth. So by the end of this morning, I would like you to consider this question. How can I serve God and the people of Perth over the next year and beyond? My friends, I'm standing here excited this morning because of the significant potential I believe exists in the people in this church here at Trinity. We want the kingdom of God to develop and grow in the city. And at this time, I believe around us, and perhaps ourselves, are really tired at the moment of the same old material world. We're tired of COVID. We're tired of dysfunctional workplace structures. 
with a lack of mental health support and often lack of senior management understanding during hybrid working. What many people around us want and what we want are emotionally intelligent relationships with colleagues who can understand to work in cohesive and vibrant teams, working flexibility to claw back some of that family life. Do you remember that? I know a lot of this as I've visited workplaces in Perth and east of Scotland for the last 11 years. There is a big door that has opened up to bring the love of God to your workplace tomorrow morning and our personal situations in Perth or wherever this week. So I invite you to join me on this brief journey this morning with Paul in Athens, but perhaps more importantly for us in Perth. So how will you, how will we respond to the city hub ministry and other areas that God may be calling us to? Remember that after he wrote his gospel, Dr. Luke wrote the book of the Acts of the Apostles, which record a catalog of events and actions and miracles carried out by Paul and other apostles in the Eastern Mediterranean in the first century after Jesus had gone to heaven and the apostles had re received the Holy Spirit. The apostle Paul was a very gifted Jewish scholar and leader and a persecutor of Christians until Jesus supernaturally changed that on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, when Paul's life was changed by Jesus Christ forever. Paul was transformed from being the chief persecutor of Christians to becoming the chief advocate for the gospel. So we come together to look at this passage where we learn a lot about connecting. And for those of us who like a bit of structure, I have three points. One is connecting with culture. Second point is connecting with people. And thirdly, connecting with God. First of all, connecting with culture. Well, there was plenty of culture in Paul's day. The Roman and Greek cultures were the dominant political, social, and cultural backdrop that Paul faced in the Eastern Mediterranean, including here in southern Greece. Athens was probably the main cultural crossroads of the world at that time. It was cosmopolitan. All kinds of life existed there, both good and bad. It was multicultural, multilingual, and multimoral. One Roman satirist said that it was easier to find a god at Athens than a man. So what about Perth in 2023? Well, today Perth is multicultural. It's multilingual, including Ukrainian and multimoral. As you and I walk around the city, there are things that Perth can be rightly proud of. We have a diverse population and we have a willingness to house refugees and asylum seekers. On average, we enjoy a good standard of living, a pleasant place to live in, in most part. And we have gods of one sort or another, be it materialism, pleasures, a degree of wealth compared to many other cultures. But we have significant social downsides as well. 
just in preparation for this morning, I found out that the suicide rate in Perth and Kinross Council area is the sixth highest of Scottish councils, and that a quarter of children in the Perth and Kinross area were living in poverty. We can ask, how are we doing as a church and as individuals responding to these challenges in Perth? Well, we'll come back to that a little later. So let's go to chapter 17 of the book of Acts, where we're joining Paul on his second missionary journey. Paul, Silas, and Timothy reached the towns of Thessalonica and Berea, where they preached in the local synagogues, and two great stushies emerged, where many local Jews opposed the good news of Jesus. And Paul has to hightail it out of both places and head down to Athens. Let's just note something here. Do you see how Paul, Silas, and Timothy faced opposition in these times in verses 1 to 15 by preaching in the Jewish synagogues? And do you see how they persevered in their mission to tell others about Jesus? Not only that, but when Paul arrives in Athens, where does he go? Well, in verse 17, it says he heads for the synagogue again. You might have said to Paul, Paul, wait a minute. Surely there are better or easier places to bring good news about Jesus than synagogues. Why give yourself a hard time? Mission is hard work and requires boldness. You have to believe in the message and believe that God is active and working in power. I've been listening over the last few weeks to some of the stories in the recovery cafes in our buildings here in church. And these are very challenging conversations. I think most of us recognize that following Jesus isn't easy. Often we come across situations which are completely impossible, where we are at the end of our tether, and we ask ourselves the question, where is God in all of this? And if you are sitting here in any kind of leadership role or position of responsibility in a business or organization, God knows about it. What I'd ask you to do is lean on him. Pray to our Father in heaven. And if you're working with the children at home this week, and unpaid work at home is a job, by the way, or caring for the elderly in a home with a high turnover of staff, as I visited recently, God knows about it. Lean on him. Pray to him. And if you're teaching disruptive students in a highly challenging class, lean on him, pray to him. If you're at home by yourself, find time to pray to him and come close to him. Secondly, Paul is connecting with people. And coming to verses 16 to 21, we see Paul can't stop himself from challenging both the religious groups and secular philosophers. Well, why is that? Because Paul is full of the Holy Spirit and is fearless in his desire to talk about Jesus to people who have an awareness of God as well as those people who like debating the ideologies of the day. And in verse 16, Paul was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. 
And I noted that the Greek word here for distress is where we get the English word paroxysm, meaning that Paul was enraged, or we would say he was beside himself about the idols in, a in Athens. Do you remember how Jesus was fizzing when he cleared the money changers from the temple, when they had put money above the worship of God? Well, why was that? Well, simply because they had deliberately broken God's first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. And here in Athens, Paul is similarly enraged by people making idols for themselves. So they were also breaking the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. So this morning, let's ask ourselves the question, what do we really get worked up about in our world when we see God's red lines are being broken or crossed? Do we perhaps write to our MP about injustice and war in the world? Do we complain to the authorities or do something about bullying, the failures within our systems and workplaces where process is put above people? or how women are treated in our workplaces? Or actually, are we quiet about it? Do we sweep it all under the carpet? Or how do we change things? What about the idol of work? Do we work to live or live to work? In Mark Green's book, Thank God It's Monday, he presents a balanced view of the work that God gives us as being good and of godly worth, because God worked for six days and rested on the seventh. Irrespective of whether you are doing paid or unpaid work, or you're a mum or dad at home or a volunteer, God blesses any work you do that is honest and good as it reflects his creative work and his image. Mark Green says the workplace is where we can share our faith with others. He says, we're being called on to look for common ground with non-Christians when in the workplace we already share it. We are exhorted to go and develop relationships with people. But in the workplace, the relationships already exist. We're encouraged to go out and fish in pools and puddles when we are sitting on a lake full of fish. In short, is your workplace or your daily life your mission field? Why am I here? This is a question you may be asking yourself now. And when you get to your desk or workplace tomorrow morning, why am I here? Mark's answer is that God has put you there with a purpose. Even although we're not in Peru or Papua New Guinea, not only Mark Green, but listen to Paul's words. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And while I'm talking about workplaces this morning, I'm aware just now that we need to pray for many of our leaders in government, our local authorities, education, business, health, social care, and other workplaces who follow Jesus and today are being pilloried for it. We need to pray for them. 
as they make dis difficult decisions about the well-being of our society and our communities. And anyone who wants to talk more about any of those connections that you have got in your workplace, please have a word with me or Emma or Janice or Ian. We're happy, really happy to hear your story and we can pray for you. And uh, the City Hub team as well, Vicky, Karen, Jane and Mark, we'll be glad to sit with you and maybe pray for you over this side of the church after the end of the service. So we move to verses 18 to 21. What I would say is beware of arguments. I don't know about you, but have you ever had your door, doorbell ring on a Sunday afternoon with two people standing on your doorstep? What I've learned over the years is that it's a bad move to get into an argument with them as they regard this as a success. They see you as somebody that treats them credibly. I realized that all they wanted to do was win their arguments as a way of making me believe what they believe. I proved this once when I actually invited them into our house for a cup of tea and not surprisingly, they didn't take me up on that. You remember that Paul says to the church in Corinth that he has real trouble with those who are not listeners, but deaf, and those who argue their dogmatic point of view. Paul says, for since in the wisdom of God, the world, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. But Paul here is on the front foot. He has an audience that is prepared to listen to him out of respect. He has credibility through what he is saying and even includes some familiar poetry from the time. And so the philosophers invite Paul to their main forum, the Areopagus, where they listen to his teaching. Professor Tom Wright says that the Areopagus was not a debating society. It was the highest court in the land. Paul's speech to the court was not a change of language. It was addressing a different set of questions. His message was always about the one true God and his purposes over against the pagan gods. In the last few years, uh, you may have heard Professor John Lennox argue the case for Christianity and science against Professor Richard Dawkins around the world, which you can watch online uh, today if you want. It has caused a major stir in the media and in the worlds of science and Christianity. My friends, we need more prophets who can speak out and defend the Christian faith and help people understand God more at our public level. So we should pray for organizations like Solace just along the road here in Dundee and other groups that defend the Christian faith. I remember several years ago when Dundee City Council decided they want to have a winter nightlight festival instead of Christmas. Well, as you can imagine, it didn't go down too well with the locals, not only with local Christians, but with other religious communities and thousands of Dundonians as well. One of my chaplain ex-colleagues at the time was ushered into the council's chief executive office as he was getting a lot of flack. 
and they asked the chaplain if he could help out. And in the end, what was agreed was that Christmas would be restored. Hallelujah. And what's more, the chaplain asked if they could also put on a Christmas nativity play. And hundreds of people attended in City Square. But that wasn't all. After the event, my colleague had an email from the imam in the Dundee Mosque asking if he could tell them what Christians believe about Jesus. Our God is one who reaches out to the margins. One of my most exciting times in my life was when I volunteered with prison fellowship in a couple of male prisons in the south of England. The main prison chaplain was a dear man called Keith Salter, who just loved the inmates, loved the staff, and every year would put on a Christmas play with a difference. Put it this way, Mary had a rather deep voice. Over the space of five years, would you believe, we witnessed over 20 inmates who came to faith and were baptized in a kid's paddling pool in the prison chapel. It was absolutely amazing. Many of us had just tears running down our faces. And this was the testimony of one of the inmates. The feeling of being baptized was one of fulfillment, of knowing that I belonged. I was now part of family of millions. This was important to me because I always felt detached from society and people in general. The men I got baptized with, I feel I have a special bond with. They are my brothers in Christ. Yet we all come from different backgrounds, different postcodes, and even more important, different football clubs. The love I felt, the support and oneness, it's just blown my mind. I have no regrets and feel it made me complete and gave me a sense of who I am. You'll be familiar with the opportunities to retell the story of Jesus, be it the nativity play or the Easter story in schools or in other ways. But sadly, these are often being squeezed out by our secular culture. My friends, I believe that it's important that we don't give up on making events possible still where Christian faith is made more accessible to our communities. And while life is challenging, let's not forget to be bold and persevere building relationships with friends and family and colleagues at school, university, workplaces where they don't yet know Jesus. And in this time after COVID-19, what many of us have found is that people are open to talk about big questions about life and some of the issues they are facing. I think this is an ideal opportunity to offer them to listen to their story, to find out what are the things that are affecting their lives, and to offer a prayer. We might want to offer them something like this, which I know many thousands of Christians have been using and passing on to somebody in their life. Try praying. Great little book to pass on. Uh, I've got several copies with me today, and Barmy's come to the front and take one a bit later. And thirdly and finally, connecting with God. Verses 22 and 23. Today, if you've been on a package tour and visited Athens, you can still see the Areopagus, that white limestone rocky outcrop 
and you can look over to the Acropolis just a short distance away. And if you've ever been there, you may also have found Paul's sermon engraved on a bronze plaque. Notice what Paul says here to the council leaders in verse 23. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you're ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Can you see what Paul is doing? He is aware of the context and the audience he is speaking to. He is using the phrase to an unknown God written on a pagan altar in front of them. And then he opens up about his living God, who Paul says is not far from each of us. As we are sitting here this morning, do we really know this living God? Not just know about him, but do we really know him? Do we have a relationship with him? Is God in your heart and the Holy Spirit working in your life? Some of you have been coming here, I know, for many years and have been following him. Some of you have come to faith recently. And some of you maybe don't know this God who Paul's speaking about at all. And towards the end of the service, we will give you that opportunity to respond to God if you feel he is speaking to you. In verses 24 to 31, Paul distills for us very succinctly the sweep of the history of salvation from creation to Christ's second coming. Professor Fred Bruce says this, like the biblical revelation itself, his speech begins with God, the creator of all, continues with God, the sustainer of all, and concludes with God, the judge of all. I like that. Paul is saying everything comes from God. He is intimately involved in everything between creation and now and into the future when Jesus will come back again and God is in control of it all. Even sometimes I know when it doesn't seem like that. First of all, Paul describes God as being outside the material world. He's intimately involved in its redemption and judgment by the person he has appointed, Jesus Christ. And secondly, Paul teaches us that we are all created and equal before God. Many Athenians at that time looked down upon others in the wider country as mixed blood and not purebred. And surely anyone who enters the door of this church and whoever we meet who deserves to be loved as Christ loves us. What I find here in City Hub Ministry over these last few weeks in speaking to people in the Perth community, I believe that many of them are not far from the kingdom. Some are coming to our buildings this month and over the next few months, and others are, are coming from different workplaces near here. And I know already that they are curious about what happens in this building. They are interested and pleased that we are open as a church to welcome them. And over the next few months, there'll be certain people coming from the council, from charities. And if you do see them and you're in the building at the time, please welcome them. Some of us are going to be in the Perth Concert Hall in the summer. And there will be a, a, me a mental health and well-being event. And we'll have a pop-up stand there. I was in conversation this week with a local leader 
who is keen to, keen to have us work with them in providing support for carers in our community. So if you feel anybody this morning, that could be you, then again, please talk to me afterwards. So let's keep listening to the needs of the people around us and ask God that he will give us the opportunity to build relationships that can lead to a conversation about life and faith. Here are just a couple of examples. I don't know if we've got that slide uh, just coming up here. Does anybody wear that badge like me when I was growing up? And you recognize it. Perth High School motto, life more abundant. And I sat wearing that blazer over many years. Didn't really twig at the time, which was stupid, where that, where that motto comes from. Perfect opportunity, isn't it? To perhaps share with a parent at the school gate. Yeah, I think I know a little bit about life more abundant. Ring a bell. And maybe the next slide. And you heard of the Stone of Destiny. We'll have a great opportunity, won't we, when the Stone of Destiny comes to Perth from Edinburgh in 2024. Imagine having the opportunity to sing to neighbor, if it came up naturally in a conversation, what do you think your destiny is? And maybe saying a bit about your own destiny. The good news is that the staff team and others in this building here will be offering some training later this year to help us all with coming to terms with meeting other people, how we can support you in that. In this next slide, which is, is coming up, you can read that as I'm saying this. During 2020 and 2021, when I was a workplace chaplain over the last few years, we took a survey of workers from offices, retail and businesses, care sector, and increasingly those with, that were hybrid working who were working from home and workplace in Perth and other areas. And what the survey demonstrated was the needs of staff in those workplaces increasingly at home as follows. And notice what perhaps about 25% of those, about one in four of those people, they wanted to support in bereavement and death. They wanted support in spirituality. They wanted support in a listening ear, in meaning and purpose. Do you think any of us could perhaps share something with our workplace colleagues this week? So my friends, on the next slide, we have a great opportunity now, as the survey shows, when many people are considering the big why questions about life and death, meaning and purpose. In verses 32 and 33, we see there are always people who are going to belittle our faith. Athens was not a fertile ground for the gospel. The church wasn't strong, and Paul didn't write a letter to the Athenians. However, don't take that personally. People in your workplace, wherever you live, are not rejecting you. They just don't understand, perhaps, what faith is or a relationship with God is. So I would advise, invite them to tea, tea at Trinity. Invite them to any of the Wednesday cafe or other events going on in the church. And verse 34, finally, the good news is that there will be a few people who did listen to God's voice, who responded and followed Jesus. In this passage here, it was people like 
Dionysius, a member of the ruling council who came to faith. We know that Dionysius in the first century became the first bishop of Athens. It was also striking that Dr. Luke includes here the name of a woman, Damaris, which demonstrated that Luke was elevating and equalizing the status of women in the Christian community. Finally, in the last slide, as Brian was just saying earlier, can we all love the people of Perth, the people that we have to do business with in the shops and the workplaces? Let's all love the people of Perth, sharing that good news, sharing that compassion. So we're connecting with our culture more. We're connecting with our people, the people of Perth more this week. And importantly, all important, we're connecting with God more. And as the uh, band comes up to the platform, in a couple of minutes, I'm going to ask if you know God is speaking to you this morning to meet with Emma and Janice and myself and perhaps one or two others just over this side of the church. And we will pray with you. If you're a regular here and you want to be more involved in the City Hub ministry in Perth, please speak to me or others in the team here. We'd be delighted to hear you and to help, if we can, in placing you in perhaps one of the voluntary areas. And because we've been speaking on a Greek theme this morning, does anybody like baklava? Right, I've got 10 portions of baklava this morning right there in the front. I met a lady from Greece uh, yesterday. Her name is Eva. She's actually in uh, some of the stands at the Perth Farmer's Market. And thinking about uh, Greece today, I said, uh, I would like some baklava, please. So if anybody's wanting a good baklava for their lunch today, uh, you're very welcome. So I'll leave some of that. Uh, just down there. So thank you very much.